And as we move on, we have the privilege tonight of not only being led in worship by Todd, but also Karina is going to be giving us a great message tonight. So let's welcome her, okay? Dropping things. Hello. Um, I'll take that, yeah. Hey, everyone. Hi. Welcome. It's not a small night, as Clayton said. It's an intimate night, so it's going to be, it's been good so far, so looking forward to see what else God wants to do tonight. So Pastors Brent and Suzanne, their son, got married last night. Yay! It's their youngest son, Aaron, so they are having West wedding festivities all weekend, and so cool, so neat. We got to watch Aaron grow up from a little guy, and now here he is married, so it's pretty fun. And then uh, Russ and Susan are at a wedding. Russ's um, sister is uh, getting married tonight, and I think Russ is officiating, so that's why people are gone. But I'm glad that you guys are here, and um, it's going to be good. So it definitely feels like wedding season. Um, I think we've been to seven this year so far, but it would have been eight. We just couldn't make them all. Uh, So yeah, love is in the air. And uh, I don't know, if you want to be prophetic or think things are significant, I kind of feel like it is. I feel like people are really valuing covenant and valuing commitment where marriage hasn't been very sacred in our culture. So I think it's really exciting. And I get so excited over love. And when God brings two people together, so I say more, 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 more. Next year will be even more weddings, right, honey? We know of two so far, so that we're going to. It's good and fun. All right, you guys doing good tonight? Good. All right, I want to talk to you tonight about um, how Jesus measures success. And uh, I had a few different things I was going to share, but this kind of came to me this last week. And I was like, I don't really want to talk about that. There's other things I want to talk about. But God kept bringing this up, and so I said, okay, well, let's do this. Um, Well, I guess he always kind of brings things up for me personally before I share. So, yeah, lately I've kind of been having this feeling lately, like, what is success, and what am I doing with my life, and am I doing enough, and all those nagging feelings I don't know if anyone else gets those early morning feelings before you're fully awake, you know, and you're like, man, I'm not, I'm still kind of, you're kind of in that dream state still, and kind of these these feelings, and they're not always positive, come at you, and the lies start coming, and so I am a feeler, which means I kind of pick up a lot of times on, if I'm walking into a room, I kind of kind of feel what's going on with other people, and so I have to gauge, is this me, or is this what other people are experiencing, And I've had different ones come to me and say they've kind of felt the same thing. So I thought, let's just go ahead and talk about it and tackle this subject and see what God wants to say about it and whatever else he wants to do. So I want to start in Matthew chapter 26. And this is one of my very favorite stories in the Bible. And it's about Mary of Bethany. So I'm going to read this. Matthew 26, verse 6. And I need reading glasses, guys. I have a twin sister, by the way. This is funny. And we both kind of experienced things at the same time. And she was just telling me, I, I need reading glasses all of a sudden. And I said, you know, I do too at the exact same time. Okay, but I'm going to do this. Then Jesus went to Bethany to the home of Simon. A man named Jesus had healed of leprosy. A woman came into the house holding an alabaster flask filled with fragrant and expensive oil. She walked right up to Jesus, and in a lavish gesture of devotion, she poured out the costly oil, and it cascaded over his head as he was at the table. This is the Passion Translation, so don't you love that, how it says the oil cascaded over his head. When the disciples saw this, they were offended. What a total waste, they grumbled. We could have sold it for a great deal of money and given it to the poor. 
Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Why are you so critical of this woman? She has done a beautiful act of kindness for me. You will always have someone poor with you whom you can help, but you will not always have me. When she poured the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body for burial. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will also be mentioned in memory of her. I absolutely love that so much. Um, Jesus said, I want wherever the gospel is preached, I want what she has done to be told. And that, to me, shows it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus cares about. And he, as much as he values helping the poor in giving, he cares more about the passion and devotion of our hearts. In 1 Corinthians 13, in the Passion also, it says, If I were to be so generous as to give everything I owned without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. So, yes, giving to the poor, helping others, serving, it is all so important. But if it's not done from a place of love and affection and devotion out of um, our, the purity of our hearts and wanting to lavish God, then it's really nothing. So that's how Jesus measure, measures success in our lives. So as I said, I've heard from other people, they've told me lately that um, they've kind of felt that like, gosh, I'm, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not, I, there's more I could possibly be doing, which is good and right. But also, um, I think it's so important to pay attention to um, our area. And, you know, when you drive into a city, there's kind of, sometimes there's a stronghold. There's also lots of blessings that flow through each area. And so we've heard from people that don't live in the Bay Area that when they drive in, when they come through, that they all of a sudden have this feeling like, oh my goodness, um, what am I doing with my life? I'm not doing enough. I need to perform or I need to do, do, do. I need to do more. And I'm like, yeah, I felt that too. Um, of course, God wants to flip that, and he wants to show us that the blessing that flows through this area is rest and knowing who we are in him, and everything else flows from that place. So I've had a lot of young people in, in uh, my life come to me and say that they felt the same thing, that you know it's like they can never measure up, and they compare their lives to their friends and all of that. But, um, you know, when we continually think, think I'm not doing enough, what that really translates into is I'm not enough. And that's what the, you know, the root of that is and that overwhelming feeling like, you know, I, I'm really not enough. I'm not going to measure up. And it's, it's not really about the doing part. Here is 1 John 3.20. Uh, Whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscious, and he knows everything there is to know about us. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Um, a lot of times we compare ourselves to each other and where we're at in our life, and um, here's an amazing quote that I was talking to Tina about earlier. We don't know who the author is, but uh, comparison is the thief of joy, and comparison really leads to jealousy. So, um, I really, jealousy always felt kind of vague to me, and t- I heard someone say that jealousy is, comes from the feeling that there's not enough to go around, or that someone else took something that you feel you deserve, and so that kind of, um, kind of hit home for me and made a little bit more sense that when we compare our lives to one another, it's, it's, feeling, it's that feeling of, um, wow, you have something that I'm not getting, and somehow you took my portion when Jesus is saying, the truth is, there's so much to go around, and he has something specifically for each one of you, and so when we can get our eyes back on him and back in our lane of what he has for us, then that jealousy and comparison stuff just kind of falls to the ground, and it doesn't hold any weight or value. So I don't know. I've talked to many people who have felt that. Maybe I'm the only one. Maybe no one else has ever struggled with that before. (laughs) Um, As a twin, I'll say this, that... um, Thank you, back there. Um, that we, my sister and I were kind of always paired up together, whether we played tennis or dance or whatever my mom had us involved in. And so it was kind of like we were pit against each other from the time we were little. 
and she was always one step above me and always performed better than me at certain things. And so it, it was like, wow, I really had to fight against that from a very early age and not comparing myself and asking God, what do you have for me? And not gauging my success against other people, but really looking into the eyes of God for my value and worth. So I, don't know, I feel like we don't talk about it enough, so here it is anyway. So in 2 Corinthians 5.16, I like this. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human standpoint, how differently we know him now. So that's, that's so awesome because God is saying, I see who you are on the inside. I don't compare you to anyone else. Um, I don't see you the way, you know, humanity views each other. I I see you by the Spirit. He knows each one of us by the Spirit. And so when when you can really receive that, there is no comparison because we're each so uniquely wired and we're so different. Our DNA is completely different from one another. God created us each completely rare and unique, and there's no comparison at all. So I'm praying tonight that if that has been a struggle for you, that God is going to completely just wipe that away and show you the root and begin to um, get your eyes back on him and what he has for you. Because a lot of times, I wasn't going to talk a lot about this, but here I go. Um, A lot of times when we have our eyes so fixed on someone else and what they have and feeling like we are in lack, we're so missing what he has for us. You ever notice that when, when you're so, you're just, you know, kind of consumed with what he's doing with other people, we're really missing him, and he has so much for each one of you, so much, and I'm, I'm so rooting for you guys. We're so hard on ourselves. Um, Paul talks about uh, stewarding the grace that God's given to us, the Apostle Paul, so a lot of times we give a large amount of that grace away to other people, and we say, oh, yeah, you know, we're so graceful, the majority of us with other people, and then we save that tiny little breadcrumb for ourselves. But you can only give away what you've received for yourself, and otherwise there's such little value, there's such little weight to it. So it's so important that we really get it for ourselves so that when we do give it away, it's, um, it has, it's weighty. So receive. Learn how to receive. I want to encourage all of you guys, uh, be nice to yourself. (laughs) Be kind to yourself. That self-talk that we have so much of the time is so negative. And it starts, like I said, before you're even fully awake. And so I think um, it's important that we're just more self-aware and aware when we are um, engaging in that self-talk and listening to that and, and believing those lies. So the more we can let go of the idea of who we think we're supposed to be and embrace who we really are, the world will take notice. Um, People are so looking for the real and authentic you, who you really are. I mean, if you talk to anyone who isn't in the church or people who, um, you know, they're kind of turned off by Christians and all of that, oh my goodness, the first thing they say is they, they want something real. They don't want the fake stuff. They... They want to be around people who are comfortable and who they really are. And I believe all of you guys are those people. So there's just another level where we can walk in that even more and more and more. And the world is so hungry for it. That's what they're searching for. And the goal is, you know, outside of these walls of the church to see God move and to see the kingdom come. And they want the real tangible, you know, experience with God and with you and you are his first their first experience with who Jesus is a lot of times when they experience his love through you and they can sense you know when when something's real and when it's not and when people have an agenda so don't want anyone to ever experience that from me Uh, we recently talking to a few young people who have said gosh I so I'm so grateful that you don't see me as a number or, um, you know, like, oh, as if if you bring a friend or, you know, a lot of, uh, I don't want to say, yeah, I'm not going to, I don't want to expose anybody or anything. But, you know, a lot of times um, there's that whole idea of, like, 
bring a friend. It's all about the numbers and getting big and growth and all of that. But gosh, the world so can see right through that. They, they want to be known and seen and loved. That's what they're searching for. That's, that's what I was looking for when I didn't know Jesus. I was wanting to know, hey, does God even see me at all? I didn't really care about a big program or big flashy lights or anything. I wanted to know that there was hope. And so, yeah, I think the more we can be comfortable in who we are, we're going to see so many amazing things outside of the walls of these church, and we already are. So, yes, 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 yes. If what we do is motivated by guilt or obligation, it's fruitless. Um, so I, I love this, this one phrase. If I get it wrong, please correct me if you know it. But it's this, and I don't even know who the author is. I forgot. But um, it says something like, if, don't ask what the world needs, but ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs are people who have come alive. And a lot of times I'm guilty of this. I will like, oh, wow, what, what's needed? Um, what can I do? And God is asking, what do you want to do? What are you passionate about? What makes you come alive? Because people are attracted to those who are passionate and those people who come alive and have, um, have hearts that are awake and alert. So a lot of times when I meet someone new, um, I really try to not say, what do you do for a living? But I try to ask, what's your passion? Because a lot of times people's occupation doesn't really reflect what they're passionate about, what they care about. Sometimes, but not always. So I've done this a few times when I met mostly, I guess we're mostly always meeting young people. When I ask them, oh, what do you like? What's, what are you passionate about? What makes you come alive? And they kind of almost like a deer in the headlight look like, wow, no one has really asked me that in a long time. I haven't really thought about that. But it's so cool to see people get in touch with what they really care about or something I like to do is ask someone, what's your favorite scene in a movie? And it might not sound so um, spiritual, but it really uh, is telling of what people care about. And um, that's always a great question. Uh, What what do you cry about? What what makes you laugh? What things um, excite you? So those are always good questions because, you know, what do you do? And it's kind of like, well, I don't know doesn't sometimes people are really passionate about what they do for a living and that's cool but um more and more god is asking us to really know one another in this intimate way where we really can can see who they are from a spiritual point of view not from a human point of view but from the time we're little we are rewarded for what we do and we're graded in school over how well we perform so Of course, what we do matters, but it doesn't define us. When we start getting into that rhythm of everything we do is defining who we are, that's where we need to ask God and, hey, I need your love again. I need you to tell me who I really am. Let me climb up in your lap and look into my eyes and and remind me who I am in you, God, because all this performance stuff just isn't working. So when our kids were growing up... um, our daughter's here. I don't know, just, oh, and my son's back there. Hey, Josiah. Hi. Um, when they were growing up, oh, I get so excited over my kids. <laughs> we really tried to celebrate integrity. We tried to celebrate um, that they pursued healing when they were in pain. We celebrated Josiah had such a good rapport with his friends at school. They always went to public school. And they really trusted him, so they would ask him. I know. They, they couldn't quite remember Josiah. They're like, Josiah sounds like Jesus. So they would be like, what's up, Jesus? Uh, pray for me. And all the time. It's cool. Yeah. And um, so we celebrated those things about who they were on the inside, not really about that he was praying for people, but that... I mean, that was awesome, too, but it's because they trusted him and they saw something in him. So we attempted to do that a lot, celebrating who they were, not really what they were doing. Uh, We did celebrate good grades, but it wasn't always the priority, and they were always so motivated to get good grades without us even pushing them, thankfully. 
So a lot of times those outward successes happen because of an inward thriving life. So a lot we get it kind of turned around and we, we get really hard and we talk about what you need to do and, you know, behave well, do this, do that, instead of focusing on the heart. And those things flow out of a healthy heart, right? So Jesus looks at the condition of our heart and loving him when our circumstances and our pain tell us not to is success. When everything tells you, you know what, you need to quit, you need to lay it all down, don't even worship, that is success to God. When you are in a worship service and you had the worst day and you, um, you need healing, you are struggling, your marriage is falling apart, things suck big time, and you choose to worship God, and you choose to say, I'm going to love you despite what I'm going through, that is success. That is huge to Jesus. That He turns his heart towards you. He can't help but look at you and smile over you when you uh, give him that sacrifice. And of course, he's so proud of you for what you do, but he's more, he is so proud of you over who you are on the inside but a lot of times burnout um, happens when we care more about pleasing people than we care about pleasing God. And our internal source gets depleted when we are feeding off of external things. And so much of the time we're not feeding the internal source and the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us and what God is doing inside of us. And we get so consumed with people pleasing and what we're doing here on the outside. But None of that is possible. It is so impossible without feeding that source on the inside. And so God is like, let's flip things around. Sometimes we just forget and we get so busy and we're going, going. We forget that, um, man, you have got to feed your spirit. It's so important. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. I just want to tell a few stories. Uh, So we go to a lot of high school graduations and bridal showers and baby showers and all that fun things because we have so many young people in our life. And here's a few of them right here. Hello. Let me put you on the spot. So um, anyway, this last year we went to a few graduations and we've we've gone to um, this particular school. And so they, they make a really big deal over the uh, academic accomplishments. And it's, it's awesome. It's great. Let's celebrate those things. And it's like, okay, this student, um, blah, 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 they um, got this, they're going to this, and it's great. And we should celebrate those things. And, you know, they make a, the faculty makes a really big deal over that. And we want our kids to be celebrated. But, you know, there's always that kind of feeling as a mom inside when I see a student come who's like, I, you know, they're not quite sure what they want to do, or maybe they want to go, you know, on the mission field, or they're, they're just unsure, um, but they're passionate about things, and so the mom in me is like, oh, I don't want them to feel ashamed of that. That should be celebrated, so I want to scream and shout, so anyway, I understand, but anyway, uh, so we went to a graduation like that. Then I went to another high school graduation for one of our girls who um, was in an independent study program. And so the school is is wired towards students who learn differently or they are going through really hard things. And so they enrolled in this program. And when I walked up, I could feel uh, there was something really special. And so instead of the faculty sharing, which is a lot of times, you know, they'll give a speech or something, the students shared. And it was the best graduation I have ever been to. Todd didn't get to go with me, but I was telling him about it. It was so awesome. So one of the students got up, and she shared how she had an eating disorder since she was a little girl and how she had to drop out of school, and she was hospitalized over and over again, and how she overcame so much, and she got healing, and um, so she was graduating with honors, and everybody stood up and applauded her, and all the faculty got up and, and were crying and celebrating her, and I was like, oh my, you know, crying and so moved. And then another student got up and shared how they had debilitating anxiety and how they had to drop out because it was too much, the stress of school and everything. Ah. 
I'm so good. I'm feeling it again. And so everyone, she shares and everyone stands up and applauds her and tells her, oh, you know, what a great job and hugging her. And this, the teachers are crying. And I thought, this is my kind of graduation where kids are being real. And then you could see other students are feeling the boldness and the courage to share their stories and how they've overcome things. And the shame is breaking off, and then everyone's celebrating their vulnerability. And I thought, oh, wow, this is really cool. And, um, you know, you got to pay attention when you get excited over certain things. And so I realized, oh, I care a lot about people's hearts and wanting them to just feel like they have, they're doing awesome, not because of they got good grades, but because they are pursuing wholeness and healing. So it was so good. Um, hey, we have a little time, so I'm going to have you guys, we're going to do something even though we're small. Um, I want you guys to um, partner up with someone, and don't leave, please, if this is something you're uncomfortable with, don't take this time to leave, it's going to be fine, don't worry. Um, I want you to partner up with someone, and I want you to ask God to show you a quality about them uh, about their character and about who they are. Not, um, you know, a lot of times this is really good, but we get prophetic words over what people are going to do and the big things they're going to do. And, you know, I've actually had a a young person came to me recently and said, I get these big words that I'm going to do something really big and awesome, but, you know, what if I don't want to do that? What if I want to buy a cottage and have a quiet life and just love people? I was like, yes, do that. I want to live in a cottage and have a quiet life, too. (laughs) Hey, it sounds like you guys do, too. A little tiny home? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be nice. In the forest. So I want you to... It's going to be... It can be quick, okay? And it can be with someone you know. I'm not going to make you do anything scary or anything. Um, Ask God to show you a quality trait about them. It could be kindness, something like that. Um, because the, who we are on the inside, everything else flows from there. But a lot of times we say, you know, you're going to preach to thousands or you're going to become the next evangelist and all this. But, but who we are on the inside um, is what, where the foundation is set. And then all everything else is so easy and flows when that's set. So go ahead and take a few minutes to do that and ask God to show you a quality trait that you see about them and encourage them. Or you can do three people. Okay, go for it. Okay. Guys, almost done. All right. Does anybody want to share what somebody said to them that encouraged you? Anyone? I can walk to you with the mic if you don't want to come up here and stand in front of people. You can raise your hand. Did you have something you want to share? Okay. All right. This is Christian. Hi, everybody. Um, So Geneva here was very kind. I can hold it. Thank you. Uh, Geneva here was very kind to say that uh, uh, the two words that came to mind were tenacity and influential. So it was funny because my word for her was tenacity. (laughs) No wonder we're friends. (laughs) Um, But she, it was really uplifting for her to, to, for me to hear this from her, is that what we're saying? Yeah. Um, because I, you know, I often try to be like an example, right? Especially in my faith and what I'm convicted in and what I believe, right? And what God calls us to be as examples of, of who, good Christians even. And um, so I think it was really encouraging for her to say this because sometimes, you know, you can get down on yourself thinking that you're not influential or you're not maybe doing enough, Right, just exactly what you're saying. So, uh, thank you, Geneva, and thanks, Karina. You're doing awesome. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Okay. Anybody else want to share? Okay. Hi. Oh, 
Jamie and I just met, and she said that I have a mother's heart, even though I don't have any kids. So I thought that was neat. Yes, I agree. Okay. Um, What was your name again? I'm sorry. Your name? In the purple. Cassandra. Okay, I got a word for you. I got that you're such a peace. You carry peace, really, kind of like it floats. It's the kind of piece that, that uh, is very effortless, and so I got that about you. So bless you. Okay. Moving on. Awesome. That was good. It's kind of almost a little hard because sometimes we do get words about, you know, what you're going to do and your future and all that, and those are good, but it's a little kind of good for us to pay attention to the spiritual aspect, who we see people are by the Spirit. Um. Yeah, so this is a really cool quote by Mick Mooney. Um, he's an author, and I'm going to read this. really got to me. So it's, he said, Life from a distance is beautiful, unblemished, perfect, and seamless, but life is far more beautiful up close, where we see the warts and blisters. Feel that word. Anyway, where we see the cracks and stains, where we see the brokenness and the uncertainty, because life can only truly be experienced up close. Sure, we can observe it from a distance, but to experience it, to participate in its true beauty, we have to embrace it. We have to allow the imperfections to touch us. Doesn't that sound fun? And we have to embrace the cracks and stains of life. For the cracks and stains of life are as much part of the experience as the sunsets and the waterfalls are. Life is messy, but that's beautiful because it's real, it's living, and it's active. It's a gift that many that may not glitter and sparkle because the gift does not come off the factory's production line. It comes from above. It's easy enough to set up an illusion of life, though it's not truly living at all, but more of a fantasy in which to imprison ourselves in. But if we are willing to embrace life as it is, not chasing after perfection, but rather participating within the reality of an imperfect life, we soon find something within that imperfection we never expected to find there. We find God in the middle of it. God has made his home in the cracks and stains of life, and it is in there that he can comfort us in his arms. It's there he can wash our feet. It's there that he laughs and he cries with us. It's within the cracks and stains of life that we realize God's perfection is only truly experienced when we are willing to embrace, accept, and experience our own imperfections. That's the end of that. That was so good. Awesome. Um, So imperfections are not inadequacies, but a lot of times we look at our imperfections, we're so critical of ourselves, and we think, oh, we're so inaccurate, we're not measuring up. But they're really areas we're still growing in. So I want to talk for a minute about the difference between healthy growth and perfectionism. So healthy growth is inviting Jesus to show up for us in our weakness, um, leaning on him and learning from our mistakes when we mess up. But perfectionism performs um, in our own strength, doing everything in our own strength and always feeling like you never measure up and you're never good enough and never making room to fail or mess up. You have to do everything just right. You have to have all your ducks in a row and it is so exhausting and tiring and we think everybody else is doing it and we're the only ones that aren't perfect. But the truth is none of us are. We're, help, we're hopeless without him, without God. We need him so much for everything. I remember meeting this young man who um, would never try anything new unless he knew he was going to succeed at it because failure was too devastating for him. So he's like, I'm only going to try that if I know I'm going to you know, be awesome at it. And that is really no way to live. Um, so never allowing room to make mistakes is an invitation for pride, for performance for self-sufficiency, always feeling like, you know, we have to do everything ourselves in our own strength. Um, Oh, that sucks. (laughs) I can say that. It's horrible. Um, But gosh, God is like, if you, how are you going to ever grow if you don't make mistakes? You got to fall down so I can pick you back up again, right? 
Um, a few years ago, uh, I help at a safe house for girls that are trafficked. And so the staff said, will you come and talk about self-acceptance? And I thought, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but I guess I don't know why you even asked me to talk about that. I guess you see something and you think I have something to say about it. But I remember asking the girls to um, think about one thing that they thought was an imperfection that they have learned to embrace. And it was hard, and it was hard for me to to look at that too and to try to figure, okay, I don't know. What can I embrace that I thought was imperfect or like a crack or a stain in my life. And then I told them, at the end of the day, I want you to look in the mirror, and um, instead of replaying, because a lot of times we do that, we replay all the ways that we failed, all the ways we messed up, all the stupid things we said that we shouldn't have said, all the dumb things we did that we shouldn't have done. And we replay those things either before we go to bed at night or first thing in the morning. So I told them, I want you to look in the mirror and I want you to say to yourself, you did the very best you could today. Tomorrow's a new day, and there's going to be grace there waiting for you in the morning. And so one of the girls was really hesitant because she had a lot of self-hatred, and she was so used to condemning herself. She was um, trafficked. She was trying to get her GED because of what she had gone through. She wasn't able to graduate high school, and she was in a really bad place, as you can imagine. But she said, okay, I'll do it. Um, so before she went to bed every night, she faithfully, in, in the morning, she she would look in the mirror and she would say, you know, you're doing the very best you can. Um, I had her say some other things, too, about being loved. But she kept doing it until she no longer struggled with that anymore. She told me one day when I went, in, hey, um, I don't, I'm not hard on myself anymore. And so it may seem like something like, what is that even doing? Saying something that I'm not even feeling or really believing. But there's something about when you add faith to that and you kind of do something by faith and declare things over yourself by faith and God is going to so meet you. So I want to encourage you to be kind to yourself. Do those things, whatever Holy Spirit's asking you to do. It's going to be so worth it. Um, another story. I like stories. Um, there's a young adult in my life who is a ballerina, and she is an amazing ballerina. Um, so she has struggled with dyslexia. This is kind of talking about imperfections and how God used them. So she struggles with dyslexia, um, but it, w- it was always like really difficult for her in school. But she's very creative, amazing dancer, and so she learned how it actually benefited her. And so the other dancers, when they would um, learn a new ballet, they would see things from kind of a linear perspective and only be able to see things kind of flat. But she said, when I would see a dance, I would kind of see it from a 360-degree angle from an aerial point of view, and I was able to learn so much quicker than the other ballerinas. And I was like, that is so cool. That's so awesome. And I've heard other people who have struggled with learning or those sorts of things, just dyslexia or whatever, that they they can learn things completely different. So we're all we all learn things completely differently, but our school system is set up unfortunately in a way where you have to only learn a certain way. But I encourage you to to embrace those things that you feel like are your handicap or whatever, hold you back, whatever that thorn in your side is. It's so your mountain to stand on. It's your victory. It's your place where you're going to stand on that thing. And I always say this, your, your greatest source of struggle, your weakness, is your mountain to, to stand on and to, to um, declare things over. So I pray that over you guys. My worst fear growing up was talking in front of people and standing in front of people and in high school... I've probably shared this before. I had it was a class of 400 in my grade, and so they labeled me the shyest senior of everyone in the whole grade, and I hated it at the time because I knew on the inside I, I know I'm not shy. Um, I was going through lots of abuse, so I was withdrawn and quiet, and I didn't know how to. I was afraid to talk to people, so. A lot of times, you know, we label people, we put labels on people because we don't really understand what's going on in their hearts. But here I am talking in front of you guys. And um, 
you. So, um, yeah. But I remember one of the first times uh, I had to go up and talk in front of, I sometimes will go to high schools and talk about, um, their, talk to students about their worth and looking for signs of abuse in relationships. And I remember the first time I went to an assembly to do that, I was terrified. And especially with high schoolers, you think, oh my gosh, they're going to tear me apart and all that stuff. But God spoke to me. And I remember I felt like I did so terrible the first time I went. I thought, oh my gosh, you sucked. And I was kind of picking myself apart. And I told myself, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to put myself through that ever again. I don't know if any of you guys can relate when God's had you step out and do something and you feel like, ugh, messed up. Never going to talk in a microphone again. I'm never going to pray for someone that's, you know, needs healing because they were disappointed and I was disappointed. Um, all the time, that self-talk is just stinky. So, um, gosh... God is saying, get up, get back up over and over again. I'm going to so meet you there. That is where real success is, is getting back up after you fall. And that's how Jesus views success is, you know, you've fallen down over and over again. You've scraped your knees a little bit. Your pride was a little bruised. But, hey, you know, you still love me at the end of the day. And you're choosing to look at me despite what you've been through and despite your little mistakes, your perceived failures, and a lot of times it, it is our perception and what we think and how we view our little mistakes and mess-ups, and God is so doesn't see things from that way at all. He says, oh my gosh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you that you chose to love me and to keep your heart soft in a world where that just holds little value, and I'm so proud of you that you keep getting up over and over again and doing that thing I've asked you to do that you don't want to do because you feel like you're going to mess up. But he, he's so proud of you, so proud of you. I, um, I love hearing success stories. Like, to me, that's, it's great. But even more than that, I'm wired where I love to hear about when people mess up and when they have failed and what they've learned from their mistakes. I I champion people like that and... I want to get close to them, and I want to listen to those podcasts and those teachings where people say, oh, my gosh, I messed up royally, and I got back up again, and here I am, and I'm leaning on Jesus, and I'm weak, but he is strong. Um, I feel like we don't hear enough of those, so I want to encourage you guys. Those are victories to God. They so are. This is Philippians 3, 7. I'm almost done in the Passion Translation. Yet of all my accomplishments that I once took credit for, I've now forsaken them, and I regard it as nothing compared to the delight of experiencing Jesus Christ as my Lord. I love that. It's so, so true. You know, sometimes we uh, <laughs> we get so caught up in, in these accomplishments and these big things, and we feel like, that is our place to stand on. But God is like, it's nothing if you don't know me. It's all about experiencing and knowing him. And that's what the world is longing for. Yeah, they, they, um, they are so drawn to people and what they're doing and that. But, he, but people are really longing for um, the real and the genuine. And they're longing to see Jesus and experience and know him. So... Um, yeah, I'm going to pray for you, and then uh, we might end early and see what God wants to do. So I'm going to have you stand up because I know you've been sitting a long time, so let's stand up and stretch a little bit. Can you play a little something? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> thank you, God. Jesus, we love you so much. We love you with our whole hearts, and we want to pour out our devotion and our affection on you like Mary. Because you're so worthy, Jesus. You're so, so worthy of our time and our attention. You're so worthy of everything we have. And yes, there's things we are going to do with our lives. You've called us to lots of things, but we just want to spend our time pouring out on you 
Jesus. And from that place, everything else is going to flow. But we need to get back to the one thing that really matters. And that's knowing you, Jesus. And loving you. We love you so much. Yeah, and I want to pray right now for each person in here. God, that you would come so close to their hearts. That they would be able to look in your eyes and experience and know you in a deep way tonight, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yeah, any place where um, there's been a whole lot of self-talk and condemnation and all of that, God... I ask for your truth right now. I pray that your truth would speak louder and clearer than any of that self-talk and criticism. Let your truth come right now, Jesus, of what you think about us, how you see us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. And I want to pray for any of you right now that have struggled with uh, comparing yourself, feeling like you are not measuring up. Jesus, come so close to their hearts right now. I pray that you would show them who they are, who they truly are, that their eyes would be so fixed on you and not at the person next to them or what other people are doing, but they would be so fixed on you, Jesus, that that stuff will just fall fall, fall, fall. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just sensing that some of you have really been um, tormented uh, with lies. And like I was talking about in that early morning before you go to bed, the first thing when you wake up, just tormented over and over with how your life is uh, a mess, that you are not where you're supposed to be. God, I ask right now that you would come and cover each person, that they would be so hidden in you that the lies of the enemy would be silenced in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, those words would be completely silenced. Thank you, Father. I pray that when they go to sleep at night and when they wake up in the morning that they would hear your voice of love covering them. That would be the only voice that they would hear that says, I am so proud of you, son. I am so proud of you, daughter. Yes, what you're doing is awesome and great, but I am so proud of you that you have postured your heart towards me, that you have loved me when things are hard. I'm proud of who you are, not what you do. That's not what I'm looking at. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody having any um, neck pain or... Um, actually, go ahead and get sit down. And if the ministry can come, I just feel like maybe God wants to do some things. So, um, is anybody having any pain in your um, shoulders, in your neck, or anything like that? Yeah? Okay. So, we're going to pray for you. Anybody else? Okay. Um, would you mind if people came and put their hand on their your shoulder? Okay. So, let's go ahead and and these ones that have their hands up, let's pray for them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Jesus, release your healing right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Any place that they are carrying any trauma or stress and anxiety, God, we ask that that would go right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you're making all things right in their body right now, Jesus. There's such a supernatural peace that's settling on you right now, covering you.
you, Jesus. You're so good. As Sierra was singing earlier, the kindness in your eyes heals me. We receive the kindness of Jesus. Look into those eyes. They're so kind, so loving. I'm going to heal you. Thank you, Father. Let your peace settle deep in Jesus' name. praying for them like maybe someone's been having a lot of fear of the future and uh, struggling with uh, thinking about gosh I don't have a retirement plan I don't know what's going to happen um, who my spouse is so uh, you don't need to raise your hand but I'm going to pray for you Jesus oh thank you Father we put our future in your hands God you are so faithful and so good we put our future in your hands we trust you that you're good, good God, and that we're not going to live without, that you're such a good provider for us emotionally, physically, in every way, God. You're such a good provider. Thank you, Jesus. I ask that you speak truth to people's hearts right now and show them what your provision looks like for their hearts, what your provision looks like for their bank account and for their future. What does that look like? You need to get a vision and a picture because it's filled with hope. And I feel like some of you haven't been able to see a hope-filled future. Thank you, Jesus, that we all have a hope-filled future and we receive that in Jesus' name. I just want to, I don't know if it's here or if it's on podcast, but uh, on the shoulder blade in the back, any pain area or in the feet, then I'm also getting a, a real strong sensation on there might be some of us here that go to bed with just general pain in your body. And some of us have even said, oh, is this what it feels like when you get older? Do I have to experience that now? And you wake up with it and then there's a frustration that comes and attacks your peace. And Jesus wants to... Um, eliminate that threat. That's, that's, that's the phrase that I get right now. So if that's you or it's somebody you know, or if you're listening to this, we're just releasing the perfect healing of who Jesus Christ is in your body, in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions on every level, on every level that he's going to make whole. And I'm also getting this word of knowledge of learning disabilities that Jesus wants to make that completely, completely whole. Even those that are on the spectrum of autism, ADD, ADHD, dyslexia, and ones I do not know how to pronounce. Jesus will take at, upon the cross the whole gamut. That's what I'm getting, the whole thing of what he wants to come and what has been hard, what has seemed impossible, what has seemed like a nightmare to many is going to become a breakthrough. So, Father, we release your perfect healing right now into the brain, into the, uh, the hippocampus, the hypothalamus, Lord, the memory center, every the pineal glands, Lord, all the glands, Father, we, we thank you right now that it is perfectly made whole according to your original design. Yes. Um, before I came to church, um, just during my God time, I was praying, and I don't usually get a word for the church, but I just felt one that was like kind of strong coming in. Um, I got a picture of this whirlwind. And I never think about whirlwinds, so it was just really random. <laughs> I was like, okay, God, what does this mean? And um, I was just seeing this whirlwind and seeing Jesus in the middle of the whirlwind. whirlwind. <laughs> and I just heard God say that there's been like a lot of change and just a lot going on with someone's life. And just it feels like it's just so swirly and your mind just feels so swirly because of all these things going on. But God is saying to remember that he's the constant in your life, that he's the consistent one in your life, that that he's the stability and the steadfast in your life. So I want to release that over anyone who's feeling that way. God, thank you so much that you are so consistent in your character, God, and just who you are, God. Thank you for being our constant, for being the one that we can run to when we're just feeling so swirly, God. When, we, when we're experiencing these whirlwinds of change, God, these whirlwinds of, of whatever is going on in our life, God, of 
of just feeling overwhelmed, God, thank you so much that you were there with us through it all, that you were in the center of all of that, God, and and that you're just, you're a constant God. You're the one that we can go to, God, with, with no fear, Jesus. There's no fear in your love, God. Thank you so much for who you are and that we can run to you with full confidence, God, knowing that you'll comfort us. Thank you, Jesus. felt the healing in the room still so I, I still wanted to go after that um and what I wanted to do is is ask um after we prayed who feels at least 30 percent better can you raise your hand okay look around the room right there are two people right there so for those who feel 30 percent better uh are you um what percent would you say uh would you say you're healed Okay. Amen. Amen. So um, can uh, the people in the ministry team go and lay hands on her? And Because uh, God wants to do 100%. So, um, and then how about you back there? Caitlin. Caitlin? Okay. Yeah. Jesus. So I really, like, like, God is healing in the room. And I felt like he wanted me to acknowledge that. Like, he wanted us to just... Uh, praise him because what that does is it activates our faith uh, to go after it more so yeah up uh, Chris huh I don't know okay oh Chris yeah huh it's 90% gone yeah praise Jesus so, uh, Clayton, can you uh, put your hand on her? Uh, 100% healing right now in Jesus' name. Um, and the pink there? Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you. I totally did that. Yeah. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So you hurt, hurt your knee two weeks ago? Yeah. took the brace off okay 70% better okay um well can you uh, pr uh lay your hands on her knee and uh since you you already started praying for her and we're already seeing God moving why don't we just just agree with God and that it's going to be a hundred percent so if anyone else uh who wants healing, uh, raise your hand if you haven't gotten her yet. If you have um, and you want more healing, raise your hand as well. Because um, God, God right now, he's, he's healing. He's healing right now. So uh, whatever ailment you have, uh, just receive. Like even if you're, you feel too uh, uh, um, shy or whatever to receive prayer for people and be put on the spot, receive anyway, because God knows your need. God knows your need. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you care dearly about every single person in this room and that you are the healer. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So in the name of Jesus, I just declare this, uh, an illness and uh, injury-free zone. In Jesus' name, you said that we are to bring your kingdom to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we agree with your will in heaven where there's no sickness and there's no injury. And I just thank you, God, that you care so much about us, that you would come and visit us. 
and that is your delight to give us good gifts and to heal us. Um, during worship, my lips were feeling, I haven't felt this in a while, but like really tingly. Like I was like, what is that about? But God was showing me that I think there's some some of you in here who feel like you have something you need to share or that God's given you obviously God's given all of you a voice but that there's just this debilitating fear when it comes to sharing or speaking I don't think I'm going to make you raise your hand but I want to pray for you because I know I know I've experienced that it's no fun so Jesus I thank you that each person in here has a message to share that you have put in their hearts in the places where they have uh, felt shut down or almost just having this debilitating fear of speaking. God, I pray for your boldness to come over them. Thank you, Father, for courage that comes from you, Jesus, on the inside. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that you're taking away all the fear. And I want to encourage you to uh, put that fear in your hand. And Pastor Brent, he shared this one time. It was really helpful for me because sometimes fear can feel so um, so ambiguous but to put that fear in your hand and to say okay what is it I'm afraid of I'm afraid of failure I'm afraid uh, that I might sound stupid I'm afraid that people might not want to hear what I have to say and kind of getting it down to that smaller size so Jesus can speak truth so let your truth come God Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I speak freedom over every person in here. Freedom, 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 freedom. Nothing holding you back. Thank you, Jesus. Let your healing continue to flow in here. In Jesus' name. If you need healing, he's moving. So if you still want prayer and, you know, you didn't want to raise your hand earlier, I think we have a few people that could pray for you up here. So love you guys and have a good night.